Answering a common objection of why some excuse themselves from service, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. That's impossible. I can't help everyone. I know, neither can I. That's true. We can't help everyone. But here's the danger of that kind of statement, that kind of thinking. Well, I can't help everyone, so therefore I will help no one. And we'll always lean back and always fall. I can't help everyone, so I will help no one. I can't do everything, so I'll do nothing. But see, don't allow the idea and the truth that you and I can't help everyone. We can't fill every need. Don't let that hold you back from helping someone. This is amazing grace. The needs are indeed great in this world, but what is impossible with man is possible with God, and we can participate with Him in accomplishing the impossible. I hope you find that exciting. We'll hear more about that today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. As we continue in Romans chapter 12, we'll learn of what Pastor Ed describes as love in action. We'll start off today at verse 9 and begin with some review. Well, over the years, as you look at churches, you look at church history, you look at denominations, you even look at the history of one particular church, you can see that one of the tools that the enemy has used the most to divide and distract is division. Getting people against each other. Getting believers against believers, moms against dads, dads against moms, husbands against wives, kids against parents, division. It is used over and over and over again by Satan as an attempt to destroy the church. Now we know the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, but I'll tell you, we watch believers fall by the wayside all the time. Get caught up in stuff, they get tripped up in stuff. We all have been tempted with this bitterness of division. And it's true, you can tuck this away. Wherever God is at work making great progress, Satan is right there working overtime to undo that progress. I mean, it's not like the forces of darkness are going to be so incredibly happy that you're making progress as a Christian, that you're growing, that you're making good decisions, that you're loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Yeah, the enemy's going to want to tear those things down. And I'll tell you, the work of division from Satan is powerful with the cooperation of believers. It wouldn't happen without believers cooperating. You know, with the world system and the flesh and the devil. Division affects churches, it affects families when we don't obey chapter 12, verse 9. I mean, very simple. This is the antidote to division. It's the antidote toward strife. It's the antidote toward problems among us as believers and in our families with our friends. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. I mean, this is the antidote toward division, toward strife, toward inward fighting and squabbles and 
All these little things that tear us down. We need to take heed to these verses, church. You know, we tend to think of ourselves first in these matters. We tend to think inwardly. But a good theology, we learn, a good understanding of God is going to lead us to yield to him more, to put these into practice under the power of the Holy Spirit. And so now we see more of love in action. Verse 13, he says, distributing to the needs of the church or of the saints, given to hospitality. So here's more encouraging words for us as a church to be united, to grow together, to be a powerful force on the earth today, to be a light shining in a dark place. He says, distributing to the needs of the saints. What Paul's saying, he's saying the needs of the church are to be met by the church. The needs of the church are to be met by the church. Paul has already told us, he's already taught us early in Romans that giving, give with liberality. He teaches us in another place, he says, when you give, give cheerfully. And now he's teaching us, hey, when you see a need within the church, meet that need. And so many have misinterpreted this distributing to the needs of the saints. It's so easy to misinterpret this and say, well, if the church is to meet the church's needs, like if there are needs in the church, then the church should meet them. What many do is say, okay, okay, the church should meet them. Here, when there's a need in front of me, here's the phone number to the church. Call the church. They'll help you. Here's a map. Here, I'll take you down to the church. And when you have a need, the church is supposed to meet it. So let me take you to the church, and the church will meet that need. And indeed, the ministry here at Calvary meets many needs according to the will of God. You know, the benevolence ministry here has seen a lot of activity with the kind of things that are going on in the world today. And the church as a ministry certainly does meet those needs. But that is not what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about taking them to a physical building or an organization to have their needs met. He's saying, church, believers, distribute to the needs of the saints. Take care of the needs of the saints. There's a need in front of you, take care of it. Don't have them call the office or bring them. Take care of it for you. Because the church is a need, take care of it. You see, the reality is, is that you are the church. You're the saints of God. I'm the saints of God. We have, many of you learned something in Sunday school that we learned incorrectly. Do you remember it? It looks a little bit like this. Remember this? You guys, the first service went with me, right? This is the church. And that's the steeple. Go through the doors and there's all the people right there, right? And so we've got this ingrained in our mind. Well, that's the church. There it is. It looks like, it looks like this. Not our church. We can't say this is the church and that's the... We don't have a steeple, so we have to square it off right there. All right? That's the church. It's not the church. Really, it should start backwards. Here's the church right here. This is the church. The people. And they gather in a building that may or may not have a steeple, but the people, you and I, we're the church. And so when the Bible speaks of distributing to the needs of the saints, he's talking to us. We can meet anywhere, right? We can meet in a park. We can meet in a school. We can meet anywhere. We're the church. And so when the needs are in front of you, meet the need. Take care of it. Help. And so many right away, they go, wait a minute, Ed. I can't help everyone. I mean, that's impossible. I can't help everyone. I say, I know, neither can I. That's true. We can't help everyone. But here's the danger of that kind of statement, that kind of thinking. Well, I can't help everyone, so therefore I will help no one. And we'll always lean back and always fall. I can't help everyone, so I will help no one. I can't do everything, so I'll do nothing. 
But see, don't allow the idea and the truth that you and I can't help everyone. We can't fill every need. Don't let that hold you back from helping someone. Helping someone. It's easy. I can't help everyone, so therefore I won't help anyone. No, no. Help someone. Have a heart to help and to distribute to the needs. And right now we're just talking the body right now, not, not, not the world. You know, the world comes later. says, hey, just right here, the needs, are, there's, there's incredible needs in this church right now. And don't just think of it on terms of financial needs. I mean, there are, there are emotional needs, spiritual needs. There are, just you name it. There are so many needs that the body will meet. I mean, even after first service, we've, a young woman comes up to me with tears in her eyes. She says, Pastor Ed, we need help. And my question to her is, what kind of help do you need? And she started to describe for me the battle that her and her husband had been going through as he was diagnosed with cancer earlier this year. And all the treatments, and all the pain, and all the fatigue, and now he can't work. And they've got a little one, 19 months. And you know what help she needs? She just wants somebody to help her watch the kid so they can get some rest because they're tired. It's been a long battle. You know who's going to meet that need? The church. We're going to meet that need. We're going to be here for this gal. We're going to be here to serve them, to love them. Us, us. I know we can't do everything, but I'll tell you what. We're going to do something. And we're going to present ourselves to the Lord to distribute to the needs of the saints. The needs in our congregation are enormous. And they're overwhelming. But with God's help, we'll meet them one by one, serving the Lord together. I want you to see this in a practical way. Turn over to 1 John chapter 3. It's really a heart check for us today. A heart check. Where's our heart toward giving? There's really two things we're going to learn today. Where's our heart toward giving and where's our heart toward hospitality? And it is going to be a heart check for sure. So just turn with me, would you? First John chapter 3, pick up in verse 16 as John goes a little bit deeper. Paul says, distributing the needs of the saints. Now John is going to say, where's your heart? And he's going to get very practical. Verse 16, 1 John chapter 3. You can look on with your neighbor if you like. Verse 16. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So the greatest demonstration of love is self-sacrifice to the point of sacrificing yourself and laying your life down for the brethren. And I would dare say if I asked, hey, are you guys willing to lay your life down? Many, if not most of you will say, absolutely, Ed. I'm ready to die for Jesus Christ. I'm ready to lay my life down. But the reality is, is probably none of us will be asked to do that in the society that we live in and the world as we know it, where we are, very few of us, at least thus far, have been ever asked to lay our life down in a very physical way. And now, of course, those of you that serve in law enforcement, those of you that serve in the medical community, there's a lot of times where that is your life. You're, you're just going for it you're for the sake of others. But for most, in Jesus' name, that is not the calling that really God has brought to our life right now. So it'd be easy to say, oh, I'm going to lay my life down. But you know, it's probably not going to happen. And so God, he turns on around, he says, oh, you, are you willing to die for me? And we say, yes, I'm willing to be a martyr for you, Lord. But then I can hear heaven say, but are you willing to live for me? Are you willing to live for me? Because that's where John's going here. Now, the greatest example, yes, is to lay your life down for a friend. But Jesus, I can hear the Spirit saying, are you willing to live for me? And he's going to go through, verse 17, whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Three things I want to point out for you note takers. 
First, there is a question, do you have the world's goods? Now, considering the way that our economy has been going, you may answer that question because it's a relative question. It's, it's relative, depending on where you're at, you might say, well, I have a lot less with the stock market, I may not have, and all these things going on, it's relative. But let me say this, in the United States of America, in our worst condition, compared to the rest of the world, we have this world's goods. We have a lot of them. This world, a majority of this world, lives in utter poverty. You take a trip to the Philippines, you will see families making a living at the dump, digging through the dump for their basic necessities. You can see that anywhere around the world. The the world lives in poverty. They live with much less than we have. And although it's a relative term, even though you may live paycheck to paycheck, you might even be recently unemployed. They might have cut back your hours. You might be wrestling and struggling in the realm of finances and what you have and what you've been entrusted with. Compared to the rest of the world, you have and I have this world's goods. The second thing he mentions here, he says, do you see your brother in need? Do you see your brother in need? Are you actively, it's one thing to have needs presented before you. It's one thing to have someone come up. It's one thing to to be presented with a need, but then we have to take it that one step further is do you see your brother, are you looking for needs? Are you openly looking for people to help and to bless? Do you see needs? Now in my Bible I have the word need circled because I always want to be reminded that there is a great difference between needs and wants. Did you know that? There's a big difference between needs and luxuries. And so the reality here is need. Do you see needs? Are you looking for needs? Do you see them? And if you don't see them, are you searching them out? And making sure that the needs that might be presented to you are actually needs and not wants and not luxuries. It's very important, even as folks come through the ministry here and they ask for benevolence and they come in and they speak with a pastor, it's very important. We, We have trained and equipped our pastors biblically to understand that they need discernment at a time like that. Because you could have somebody come in and say, Pastor, we need money. And as we sit down and we go, okay, we'll write that need down and, we'll, and we start talking and praying, what we find out is that the solution to their problem is not money. They have enough money. They're just throwing it away here. And they're throwing it away there. That's not every case, of course, but there are times when the need that's presented to you may not be the reality. What the person needs really just to trust in the Lord. What the person really needs is to tighten the belt. What the person really needs is to understand that they've been squandering. And it could go many different ways. You have to walk in discernment. And you can pray for discernment. God, show me what their need is so that through this situation they might grow in grace. Sometimes the need is money, just a little bit to get by, to pay a utility bill or something of necessity for the family to put food on the table. But many times when you pray through, the need that's presented to you may not be what's there. It may just be a symptom of some of the underlying issues that are going on in their life. That even if we were to give as much money as they need, they'd be right back in the same problem there next month. And so you want to be careful. Do you see needs? And then thirdly, notice, do you shut up your heart from them? Do you shut up your heart? The heart now is likened to a door. And the picture that's being painted here is that a door slamming against the need that's right before you. You can jot this down. I'll read it to you in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13. It says, whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. It's the truth. I know sometimes that you might be, you might even right now in your own life, you're processing what I'm sharing here, what the Bible has to say. And you go, but Ed, I've been burned so many times. Why wouldn't I shut my heart up, man? I've been burned. I've given here. Boom, they lied to me. 
Then I'd given over there, and boom, they squandered it. You know, I gave to that guy over there, and he went and got drunk. And, and I've given, and I've given, and I've gotten burned so much that why wouldn't my door of my heart be closed? I mean, I don't want to be taken advantage of anymore. I don't want to be hurt that way anymore. And, and you know, I understand being burned, man, it just saps the very spiritual life out of you, doesn't it? You're taken advantage of when you're mistreated. When your, your good is taken as evil, and it's horrible. It just takes the, that's a place where right now you're like, man, I can't, I'm not getting burned again. Let me just say this. If you gave prompted by the Spirit of God, if you gave because God put it upon your heart and impressed upon you to give, then you were not burned as you gave unto the Lord. You gave unto Jesus Christ. I know the person might have burned you, and you've learned a lesson or two about that. But when you and I give, we give unto the Lord. He prompts it, and we give as a way to honor him, and we give to others. We help meet needs unto the Lord. And I'm telling you, you might be burned by people, but you were not burned by Jesus Christ. He has blessed you and encouraged you, and it's an honor to serve Jesus Christ by giving and helping to meet needs. You know, when you think of this, he says in verse 18, back in 1 John 3, he says, my little children. It's like by the time that John writes this, he's an older man, and you just get this picture. He says, hey, kids, listen, I've been there. I've, I've lived a long, full life. My kids, just that gentle term of endearment, my kids, my children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. The spiritual habit of helping one another not only includes the willingness to die for someone, but also the willingness to live for them as well. Maybe it's just you're holding on to your stuff too tightly. Maybe you're holding on to your money too tightly. You know, God is, maybe he's calling you to use the money he's given you to help someone, but you have fallen into the trap. I fall into the temptation of thinking it's all mine. I'm going to do what I want with it. I don't have that much after all. I'm just going to do what I want and you shut your heart up not only to human need, but you shut your heart up to God who wants to use you to bless someone in Jesus' name. You know, your money is your work, your hard work, all the overtime that you do, all the pressure you're under, all the stress that you experience working in this world. You're not just working for yourself. I want to show you what I'm talking about. Flip over to Acts chapter 20. You're not just working for yourself. You're also working to help others. God has blessed you with a position, with a salary, so you can help others. I know times get tough in the workplace. I know the pressure gets crazy. I know there's an overwhelming stress. I know with the way things are going, there's less people doing more work and layoffs and cutbacks. and It's, in, it's crazy. But don't let that shut your heart up toward people or toward the Lord. Paul's here talking to the leaders in Ephesus. He's about ready to leave and he's warning them and he's encouraging them and he's using his life as an example. And when we get there, I want you to see, pick up with me in verse 31 as he's encouraging. This is Acts chapter 20, verse 31. He says, therefore watch and remember that for three years I didn't cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are being sanctified. And then he gets personal. He says in verse 33, now he's talking about world's goods. And he tells him, I haven't coveted anyone's silver, anyone's gold, anyone's apparel. I don't want your stuff, basically, is what Paul says. As a minister of the gospel, as a pastor, he says, I don't want your stuff. I've never wanted your stuff. 
As a matter of fact, he says, you yourselves know, verse 34, that these hands, I'm sure you look, he probably had well-worn hands because he was a tent maker, working with leather and he was working hard. I'm sure he, you know, these hands, he says, have provided for my necessities. Paul was a tent maker. We'll often use that phrase as a tent maker where someone works a full-time job in the world to provide for the needs of their family and they also serve in the church. You know that a majority of the leadership, a majority of the volunteers, you guys all work a full-time job somewhere, overtime, extra time, providing for the needs of your family, and at the same time, you serve the Lord here in this church. You serve with joy and gladness. You know, when we send a guy out to go plant a church, and that's God's put that on his heart, we say, look, you've got to get a job. Until the Lord raises up a church around you to support your family, you don't want to be a burden to that church, so make sure you got a job. Take care of the needs of your family working in the world. It will also give you an opportunity to share the gospel with people and tell them about what's going on in your life. But then also, as you're raising up that congregation, as you're teaching them and loving them, you want to be careful not to be a burden. The word, the phrase tent maker comes from right here. Paul says, I've worked for my necessities. I took care of my needs. But notice, he says one other thing. He says, I've worked, provided for my necessities and I provided for those who are with me. See, he wasn't just working for himself. There were people with him that he helped that they came along to support him, and his work was enough for him and the people with him. Because when we work, we work not only for our own needs, but also for others. And so Paul, he says, look, I've shown you, verse 35, in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it's more blessed to give than it is to Receive. It's a heart issue. It's going right to our hearts. It's an incredible, beautiful picture of giving, of how you have been blessed with something to provide for your family, and now your heart is also, how can I help others? How can I be a help to others? Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, because even by now, some of you might be saying, hey, I don't have anything to give, Ed. I mean, I'm tapped. I'm at the end. I don't have anything to give. I want you to see a picture of that in the churches in Macedonia, because they could say the same thing. The Bible's going to tell us in just a moment here that this church was in deep poverty. I mean, they didn't have anything. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The church in Jerusalem, to pick the scene here, the church in Jerusalem is, is struggling. They were once a strong church, but as the middle of the first century comes along, they're struggling, they're suffering, they need help. So what Paul does is he goes around to the other churches and says, can you help, can you help, can you help? And here he gives us an insight of the churches there in the upper Grecian area of Macedonia that they step up and they want to help. And beginning in verse 1 of chapter 8, it says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace. This is this grace of giving. We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. They didn't have anything, but they gave. They saw a need and they jumped in. He says, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, because they stepped out in faith and they took Malachi at his word and tested God in this area, He says, according to their ability and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, employing us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and fellowship of the ministering to the saints. We'll pause here, but join us next time when Pastor Ed Taylor returns with more about love in action. Till then, be open and available to the Lord. He may want to use you to meet some unmet need. Today on Abounding Grace, we aired part one of a message called Hospitable Giving, Love in Action. 
Would you like to hear today's message again? You can listen online 24-7 at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go is to download our church app and Grace FM Colorado app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. You'll find Abounding Grace right there, as well as many other helpful resources. Hey, are you looking for some good summertime reading? If you're like me and like to pull out a good book to read on vacation, we'd like to recommend Love, The More Excellent Way. In the late 1960s, an entire generation was searching for love. Maybe you've been on your own quest to find it. This encouraging and practical book by Chuck Smith will show you what real love is and how to discover it. You'll learn about God's love for us and our love for God in response. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more by calling 877-30-GRACE. We can't thank you enough for your support. God is doing a wonderful work through the radio these days, and you can be a part of it. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And please set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow for Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor digs deeper into the Book of Romans to mine its treasures. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.